What's up, Bold Ones? Thank you for joining the Cold Ones and Bold Ones podcast here. I am your host, Christian. We've got Ryan on. We do not have Styers today because you guys hated him. Actually, not really. I think you guys are liking him a lot, but he couldn't make it because he is having date night. So it's just Ryan and I, and I will let you take it away, Ryan. I don't know if the fact Styers actually has a dating life makes our lives seem sadder because we didn't just cancel. We just moved it a day. Um, Cause I actually had a party yesterday, you know, for a Christmas party, yep. it's the Christmas season. So we're actually a little bit late. And then Cyrus decided that his love life was more important than the podcast. We're trying to get off the ground, but Hey, <laughs> you know, when it comes time to sell this bad boy or, you know, make merch or something like that, we just kind of know where Cyrus lies. Yep. I think we'll cut him out of the profits a little bit, maybe down to like a 5%. Like I think if Cyrus, if you listen to this podcast and this is the way we'll determine this, if you listen to this, if you don't agree to only, 2.5% of merchandise rights say so otherwise. If not, your silence is agreement. Silence is agreement. Yep. But no, we have a great show ready for you guys today. Of course, we're going to go over our cold ones. We're going to go over all the tech news that's been happening. We're going to do a re- review of the college football championship. Then we're going to get into some college football news. And finally, we'll end it with just some uplifting news about the holiday season, maybe some hot takes about the Christmas season. Um, and that's going to be today's show. But either way, uh, let's start it off with our cold ones. I think, Christian, your cold one's always better because it's actually alcoholic <laughs> while mine's kind of boring. So how about you lead us off? All right. So I'm in the process of planning a ski trip to Colorado right now with some friends for New Year's. And I could not be any more excited than I am. I haven't skied in over six years. And I'm so excited about going to Colorado that I decided to make my cold one of the week the new Belgium brewing company, Fat Tire Amber Ale, because that is my favorite brewery in the state of Colorado. Shout out to Fort Collins, where Colorado State is located. Excellent brewery, great place to visit. Bring friends, bring your family. If you're ever in Fort Collins, go check out New Belgium. Uh, Fat Tire beer was probably one of my favorite ones to go for when I did drink. There's also this one, and I'll make this my cold one as well. I actually go alcoholic for once, which is kind of crazy. Um, Breckenridge Brewery. They do a Ooh. vanilla porter. Um, it's also from Colorado. It is delicious. It is to die for. Very smooth, very creamy. Has a great finish to it. It's still dark like a porter that you kind of want, but it's a little bit lighter than other porters out there. So it's really easy and goes down very smooth. Yeah, I'll have to try that when I get out there. All right, guys, so we have some fantastic Texas Tech news coming up here. Yesterday, the Texas Tech Red Raiders men's basketball team had a massive win in New York City in the mecca of basketball, Madison Square Garden, in the Jimmy B Classic against number 13-ranked Tennessee. This is the first big win of the Mark Adams era. I know it was definitely a rough game to watch. I know there were enough bricks laid to build a, like, two stadiums at least Um, but getting a a win like that off our backs and getting the first ranked win in the Mark Adams era is definitely an excellent start to year one yeah I think it's an excellent start to the season Um, I mean the final score was 57 50 52 I want to say if I remember correctly Um, overtime overtime as well overtime to get over 50 it was a very defensive game Um, I mean it was just an ugly game across the board but after a loss, coming out, having a game that ugly against a top-ranked opponent, you expect to lose like that. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Tennessee um, apparently wanted to lose more than we did. 
I think that's really what the game came down to. I expect Adams to kind of light into his guys. There's some mm-hmm. obvious mistakes, but I think that um, probably the best way to put it in here and what we really need to focus in is one man and one man only that potentially is going to define the rest of the Texas Tech season, and that is, is it Bacho? Yeah, Bacho, the French dude, the big French yeah. guy. He was he, excellent. He is excellent. He, he deserves more minutes now. He has shown that he can be a force to be the central defensive portion that really is needed by this entire team that we have kind of been missing. That's what we missed mm-hmm. last year. We missed yep. a big guy. We, it looks like we have our big guy. If he can stay healthy, knock on wood, all things going down. I think we have a great defensive big guy whose offensive game will just improve as the season goes along. For sure. It's definitely nice to have a great big guy, a defensive plug, a guy that can clean up off the glass there. I mean, we really haven't had that since Narenze Odiase and Tariq Owens on the final four team back in 2019. Uh, so it's definitely nice to have a big presence in the middle there. You definitely need that if you want to go far in March. I guess it's really April now. This tournament bleeds all the way into April, but we definitely it's definitely nice to have some big man presence, especially from France. We love our Frenchies. Yeah, no, we love, we love the French. The French have always been great to the United States, so might as well continue being great for us. I think one main takeaway I took from this game, and besides our offense being kind of dismal, it was the rebounding, especially mm-hmm. the defensive rebounding. Um, the defensive rebounding, I think we had like we just out when it came to board, when it came to the glass, we were just beating up Tennessee. Yep. Um, and that defensive rebound is really what changed the game because you know, Tennessee go down, they'd get one mm-hmm. shot rebound, yep. we'd get it back. And the fact that we were able to basically slow down a team to where they only got one chance per or one chance per possession, mm-hmm. you know, to score that changes games. That's Huge. that's the grind kind of defense that you want with Mark Adams. But I think that he can continue pushing forward. And I just, the drive, and I had a coach in middle school, kind of in high school as well, when I played, you know, B-team basketball, hmm. shout out Cooper High School, um, who said that you can't teach rebounding. You can teach a little bit of it, but for the most part, it's effort. Yeah. Rebounding is effort. And the effort was showing right there. The offense wasn't clicking, but the effort across the board stayed strong. And they went. They had the attitude, yep. the attitude of effort. Yeah, got us a win up in the Northeast. So, so, yeah, definitely big time. So, yeah, moving on to football. So, I got to say, this is like the most excited I've been as a Texas Tech football fan in probably since I was a freshman in college when Patrick Mahomes is our quarterback. And we're beating UT in Austin to go seven and five and make them not bowl eligible. This is probably the happiest I've been with tech football. McGuire obviously hasn't even played in the game yet. And there's just so much promise surrounding this program, so much energy. It's just so exciting. And one of the main things, if not the main thing I'm very excited about is the recruiting the second McGuire gets hired, we get three commits that night. We've already flipped multiple commits since then. Big time guys that we definitely have not been getting in a long, long time. And now there's a high profile transfer prospect coming out of Ohio State. And that would be Quinn Ewers out of South Lake Carroll High School. For those of you who aren't, who aren't familiar with Texas high school football, South Lake Carroll is an absolute powerhouse. They're definitely one of the state power blue bloods in the state of Texas. And Quinn Ewers is a quarterback hailing from there. He was the number one overall recruit in the country in his class. He was actually set to graduate this year in 2021. 
but or 2022 excuse yeah, me that's spring 2022 2022 because that's but yeah yeah that's what's so big about him is yeah. the fact that he came out early, spent some extra time at Ohio State because of the COVID situation. But really what comes big to me is like, yes, number one recruit. You want the number one recruit of the nation. That'd be humongous for Texas Tech. Never had a recruit of this caliber who I'd say we really have a fighting shot for. But what I'm more excited about is that he's connections with the class of 2022. Definitely. Especially in today's recruiting, these, these guys know each other. Like this sure. isn't like the old times where – no one really communicate. Like they're mm. going to camps together. They're traveling yep. across. They're doing pro. They're doing semi-pro teams together. These follow people, each other on social it, media, social media, and all that. So if Texas Tech can potentially land Quinn, which it's a big potential. Like this is, like to put it in movie references, this is the movie she's out of your league, where it's basically like this ger- mm-hmm. this kind of nerdy geeky guy, you know, hits on the hot girl, and then all of a sudden, like she's interested, and he's like, oh, this is weird. Um, where do I go from here? That's kind of how I feel as a fan. Like the fact that Quinn has even had a visit to Texas tech, had his beautiful blonde mullet just <laughs> going flowing in the wind of the West Texas wind. Just imagine that under a helmet with the Miley Cyrus style mullet, you know, throwing deep bombs to the wide receivers out there and having McGuire like fist pump and, and scream, <laughs> let's go every freaking Friday night before a Saturday game. I'm excited. I am. For sure. It's definitely crazy. I mean, this kid had a perfect scouting grade from 247 Sports. Last time we've seen that was two guys in the same class whose names are Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So this kid is definitely hyped up, 6'3", 200 pounds, has all the arm talent in the world. Uh, Him and Patrick Mahomes had the same quarterback coach in high school. I think that's probably the big connection there. I think Mahomes being in this kid's ear helps us out so much. You see Mahomes tweeting at this kid to come to Tech. Right now, I'd have to say it's probably 50-50 between us and UT. That's what it's being reported. I know we're kind of being seen as the favorite, but obviously we can't really compete with the bright lights in Austin. And I don't think we're trying to either. But I think he trusts our coaching staff a lot more And I think it comes down to I trust this offensive system with new offensive coordinator Zach Kitley, who led the league in passing at Western Kentucky last year. Or does he just want to go full NIL and go to Austin? It'll be interesting to see. I don't want to get my hopes up too much. But if we can land this guy and bring along the talent that comes with him, this would just be absolutely insane. So really my question I have, and this isn't this is a little bit of bashing Texas and me being a biased Texas Tech fan. Um, for this younger generation, you know, the generation under ours, which I think I know he's you know, younger generation, he's under yeah. under us. Um, is Texas really that desirable? I I get it, NIL, big, big program, mm-hmm. but I mean, we were at the tail end yeah. of the success of Texas at UT going. Since he's really been probably like paying attention in college football, Texas Tech has been mediocre at bat. Or no, sorry, Texas has really been both. mediocre. Has well, both. <laughs> both have been mediocre at best. So I mean, really, what it comes down to is who does he trust more, or does it, basically it's going to come down in my mind is does he want to follow the money, get a bunch of money, have basically pro level money at Tex at Texas, mm-hmm. or does he potentially want to develop more? refine his game and really kind of be like a legend at Texas Tech yeah I know there is a picture that surfaced of him when he was a young kid he's wearing one of those like UT football helmet costumes and he's flashing the hook you know like Sam Ellinger style 
Oh God, you know, I can't. Like I that. can't handle two more years yeah. of that. Yeah. So, I think he is a lifelong Texas fan, and he was committed to Texas before he went to Ohio State. He was committed under Tom Herman's staff, and then once Herman got let go, that's when he decommitted and then reclassified to take advantage of the NIL deal because him and his dad actually petitioned UIL, which is the governing body over Texas state athletics in high school. And they said, no, you can't profit off your name, image, and likeness. So he said, cool, fine. I'm graduating early and left to go to Ohio state, made seven figures there as like fourth string red shirt quarterback, but he wants to come home and it's between us and that school in Austin. And we have a very real shot at landing this kid. And I think we'll still be fine without him. We can move on. McGuire's still doing great things. This isn't necessary, but this would just be such a jump start and just so huge to have a prospect like this and bringing everything that comes along with them. It's like, if we land this, it's like, move over, Nick Saban. Like, like we want you. Like, see you in the top four. I don't know. I don't know. I don't go that far, <laughs> but I would say what I would say is that dream, right? a, a, recruit like, a, a recruit like Quinn I'd make the argument can take five years off a plan and speeds a program up five years. If you're a yeah. smaller program and you land someone like him with just the recruits and talent you're gonna have coming in, I'd say it takes off five to seven years of a mm. long plan and long build. Yeah. And obviously not everything is a sure thing, but I mean, this is as good as you're going to get in a prospect, this high profile. It's like, there's really no reason you shouldn't be looking at doing this. Oh yeah. hundred percent. 100%. But one thing that is for sure that we have over UT Austin is that is a bowl game. We, of course, were, you know, <laughs> round of applause, drum roll, whatever you want to say. Texas Tech, of course, was bowl eligible. Uh, UT six Austin six, was baby. not. So, you know, hey, it counts. And we are, what, what would we call this? What should we call this? Return of the Jedi, you know, um, Return of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith, Revenge of the Leech. What do you want to call it? Like, what should we... We got to involve the pirate in the name, obviously. The dead man's curse. Is that what you should call it? The dead man's curse. I think it's perfect. Yeah. So, of course, uh, all Texas Tech fans are going to know. Basically, Mississippi State and Texas Tech University are playing in the Liberty Bowl um, with, of course, Leach going against his arch rival, which is, of course, the Texas Tech boosters um, (laughs) directly there. So how are we feeling about this? Of course, you know, making a bowl game is great. It feels fantastic. How do you feel facing Leach the first time? It's been, it's been, it was 2009, I want to say, when he was let go or fired. So it's been nearly 11, 12 years since we, we've had Leach or run into him. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously the most successful coach in program history, all time winningest coach in Lubbock. When I first saw that we were playing Mississippi State and really even that it was even a possibility. I was beyond the moon excited. Like, I I am so excited for this. I think it's going to be the coolest thing. Out of all the Power 5 non-major bowls, out of the unranked Power 5 teams playing each other in this bowl season, this probably is by far the best storyline. And I know we sound a little biased being Red Raiders here, but I think Mike Leach being the former Texas Tech legend going against the former team that he's trying to sue still, saying we owe money. Yeah. And there's a lot of bad blood there. I know you're going to have a lot of tech fans who still root for Leach. I know I still root for Leach. He's a great guy. I love his candy rants and really any rant about anything that has absolutely nothing to do about football is just 
pure comedy. Um, but obviously we're rooting for the Red Raiders here. Really, I just want our chance to end the leech curse and move on. <laughs> so how do we end the leech curse? Do we beat him or does he beat us? Like, or I do- think both. Like he gets his revenge by dropping 50 on us. And then we just move on or we beat them and it's clearly gone. So it, I think either uh, way, it just, it doesn't hurt. Of course. I mean, we'll, we'll say for later on in the, yeah. this month for predictions, but mm-hmm. just as a preview, I don't see this game being pretty. I don't see this game even being close. If this game is close, it's bad for Leach. Yeah. Just think about Tech sure. the program right now. We lost our defensive coordinator. Yep. We lost our offensive coordinator. Um, we have our running backs coach. Who's also mm-hmm. the head, the father of our quarter, our starting quarterback, mm-hmm. is the current guy, uh, kind of leading the pack and the yep. charge. Which I mean, you know, you can say, oh well, he knows the team, but at the same time, like we're missing all our coordinators, yeah, especially for special teams. Uh, Lost it's a be, lot of position coaches too. Going to be a very ugly game for us. <laughs> yeah, they've got their full staff. We've definitely got the B team staff going on. Um, I know we've had no players hit the transfer portal yet, which we're only one of two programs where that hasn't happened, which is shocking given that we fired our coach this year and no current Texas Tech Red Raider football players have entered the transfer portal as of yet. But I'd assume some more names to fall into that by the time the bowl game comes around. I'd be shocked if we're still sitting in that same boat. Yeah, I mean, it would not be surprising to me at the least. I'm very surprised that we haven't had anyone leave yet. That kind of also makes me wonder the overall opinion of Matt Wells and the fact that no one left after he left. It's like, did he not have any guys that would be pissed that were pissed off about it? Or has it just been kind of a, hey, let's kind of get this bowl game out, just be a, a united front, then go from there? Probably the second one, just a bunch mm-hmm. of guys who are like, hey, let's do this for the seniors, then go from there, which just kind of shows the, the culture that Wells did build. Definitely. Now, there was a video that surfaced of, Keith Patterson, the current defensive coordinator, who just got the head coaching job at Abilene Christian, his press conference, Matt Wells is actually there in attendance. And he gave a big thank you to him. He's very emotional about Matt Wells is the only coach friend of his that visited his mom in the hospital and everything. And she was going through an illness. So I think everybody believes he was a great guy and everything. But at the end of the day, we're not paying you to be a great guy. We're paying you to win football games. And that just wasn't happening. Yeah, sometimes just you can't have both sometimes. Yep. I think it was just a lack of Texas ties, but mm-hmm. that ship yep. sailed. Um, and it just kind of is what it is. Speaking of the ship that sailed, uh, we had a very fun or electric championship weekend. So let's kind of review, shall we, on how exactly picks went. So I want to say that we tied across the board in college pickums um, with – with each one of us going, I want to say four and one. I think we're three and two each. Three and two each. Okay. Yeah. Because we all picked against Xerox State or picked for <sighs> Xerox State. And then... See, that's what that's what we get for trusting Xerox yeah. State. Well, we'll go down the, the, the go down the line like we did last time. So first game we had was number ten Oregon versus seventeen Utah. With of course you being the only one out of all of us to take Oregon. So my main question to have to you is after watching Oregon get demolished the first time, what were you thinking? So for those of you who have listened to multiple episodes here, the first time Oregon and Utah played each other, my prediction was that they were going to split the two matchups. They were going to, one was going to win that first matchup and the other team who lost that was going to win 
in the championship matchup. Now, I did feel more strongly about Utah than I did Oregon here, but it's the Pac-12 championship game. It's a total crapshoot. Anything can happen. Crazier things have happened, so I just decided to stay with my original prediction. Obviously, that was very stupid, and I got exposed badly, but I stand by it. Okay, I, can, I can't follow you there. Um, because, honestly, I just chose Utah based because it's like, you know, Utah demolished them once. I bet they do it again, you know, mm-hmm. so I can't follow sure. you there. Now, the next game I think we can talk a bit more about because I actually watched a, little, a lot more of this game. Would mm-hmm. that be number nine, Baylor versus number five? Uh, OSU or Xerox State, whatever you want to call them. I think we, <laughs> if you go back, we actually joked about when we all picked OSU yep. that they're going to lose because of this. Um, not saying we did that on purpose. Maybe no, we did. We, we, that's how it usually goes. I think this game came down to one thing, one factor that kind of has to find OSU as an entire season, and that is Spencer Sanders is not the guy. He made too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. early on and they had to come back from it you saw in the yep. oklahoma game he made some mistakes that were kind of critical and it seems that really that defense was wasted on with a quarterback who just couldn't keep the ball safe like if osu played safe ball and ran it a little bit more mm-hmm. and didn't have to rely on the throw as much or passing game as much then they win but they couldn't yeah definitely it's definitely a quarterback who had a lot of bright moments but seemed like for every bright moment he had he also had a really dark game defining moment and ultimately they made too many mistakes and obviously for those who watched this game this was an incredible game that went right down to the wire oh yeah and Oklahoma State getting stuffed at the goal line for what would have been the game winning touchdown as the buzzer expired so it was definitely a very dramatic finish it was extremely close but congrats to Baylor on winning the big 12 much deserved I know pretty much nobody predicted this preseason to happen Baylor to be big 12 champs this year. I think that's probably the biggest shock to anybody. I, most people are obviously predicting OU to run the tables. They usually do. Yeah. Well, and then Iowa that. state to be right there, but that obviously didn't happen. They still had a pretty decent year, but weren't as expected, but definitely a big congrats to the Baylor bears down in Waco. Definitely very good for the conference to not have that team up in Norman when it, Again, I think, I think if I'm Baylor right now, I'm backing a truck up. I'm backing a truck up and I'm just dumping it on the 50 yard line full of cash oh, and yeah. saying, Hey, whatever you want. Like, you want <laughs> key to the city, you want, you know, to live with Chip and Joanna Gaines, we can make that work. Like, well, whatever you want, we'll make happen. Yeah, just drop all as, that private school money. Give, keep him as happy as possible. Cause right now, after a season like this, Baylor's back. I hate to say that yep. because Baylor could potentially especially has a strong foothold to where if they stay on this current track, they could potentially be running the big 12 once yep. OU and UT leave. It's good for the conference though. And it'll definitely be a nice rivalry setting us up with them going forward here. So I'm definitely excited to see the future of the conference for sure. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Now one game that really should have surprised no one at all, because I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I want to apologize, one, to Nick Saban, uh, two, to you for calling you an idiot, uh, and three, <laughs> I want to apologize to myself for believing that Kirby Smart was like Jim Harbaugh. Um, and of course, I'm talking about number one, Georgia, versus number three, Alabama, where basically Bryce Young made the Georgia defense look like a bunch of chumps, and turns out maybe Georgia isn't all that good anymore. Yeah, I think part of this game was Georgia knew this wasn't really a must win 
so maybe they weren't fully motivated either. Like before this game, I, I picked Alabama. It's like this Georgia team, they hadn't really played anybody all year. Like the SEC East was way down. The toughest opponent they probably played in that side was Kentucky. Uh, and obviously they played Clemson to start the season and barely beat them, but Clemson had no offense this year. Obviously they blew out Arkansas, and that was by far their best win all year. Yeah. But that was an 11 a.m. kickoff on the road. And you're an Arkansas team. I, I just I don't really fault them for losing that badly to Georgia. And Georgia's obviously been a great team all year. They have the defense, but yeah, you, you just can't pick against Nick Saban. It's just you're probably gonna be wrong if you do that. And we saw the tide roll right over Georgia, and they're probably gonna do it again come playoff time. My worst fear right now, especially with the way the committee set things up, and we'll get into this a little bit mm-hmm. later on in the show, is the fact that they made Georgia three instead of four um yeah obviously so they could potentially they want a michigan uh they're they're it up for a rematch they want that yeah. storyline they want the georgia alabama rematch and i don't mm-hmm. i don't want that rematch i saw what stetson bennett can do against an alabama defense <laughs> nothing and that's and that's jack shit like i get it he's a great story walk on georgia fan came there kirby smart be smart be smarter mm-hmm. Get someone in there. You're the coach who let Justin Fields walk. You're the coach that believed more in Jake Fromm than Justin Fields. You're telling me that that Sisson Bennett, you don't have some potential four to five star quarterback who could potentially save your ass, and you're going to ride with Sisson Bennett? Like you're you're foolish. Like I don't know what Kirby Smart's doing. Yeah, maybe we'll see some JT Daniels. We'll see. But who knows? But one team that did take care of what they're supposed to do. Unlike Georgia, that is Cincinnati with 21 Houston versus number four Cincinnati. Straight sweep by us. Everyone yep. picked Cincinnati. It was very clear what was going on there. Um, I really don't have much to say about this game. I did tune in a little bit and watch. I think the main case here was that Cincinnati did exactly what they had to do. They didn't falter. They continued there. I think now they've won 22 games. Like they've won 22 straight games now. Yeah, it's a lot. They've won enough. And then they're only number four in the college playoffs, which is crazy to me. Yeah, definitely. This is our second Big 12 champion. We had two Big 12 championship games this week. This is the second one. So shout out Cincy, future Big 12 team. Way to take care of business and way to be the first G5 to make it in the playoff. And then finally, we had number two, Michigan versus 13, Iowa. Um, You guys gave me a lot of crap. I, I, I said, you know, rightfully that Iowa, so. Yeah, rightfully so. I'll admit, I don't know, rightfully <laughs> so. I think... I make my main point was that I thought these were two very defensive heavy teams with yeah, quarterbacks are. that were questionable. McNair or not McNair, Mc, McNamara, McNerma, I think yeah, his name is McNamara. McNamara. He proved me wrong. He went out there. He was fantastic. I mean, he didn't have to do a bunch, but he made the throws he had, he had to make. And with very mm-hmm. quickly, the Michigan defense just locked down. And it's very obvious. When I, even, I even said to myself, like the Iowa state or not Iowa state, the mm-hmm. Iowa offense is not great. They're very much a nope. defense first team. Um, and they got their they got their butt kicked. Yeah, like, we might be able to see a Spencer Rattler saving Iowa situation. I know they need it, but yeah, this is a easy win for Michigan and very excited to have a non-Ohio State team winning the Big Ten. I will say that. You know what really upsets me, and I'll put it this way, is that after the routing that Michigan does to Iowa, they're still 
but I guess let's just let's transfer into the top four teams. The top mm-hmm. four teams being the current playoff is Alabama number one versus four Cincinnati, then number two Michigan versus three Georgia. Michigan destroyed Iowa. Like I also get that Alabama destroyed Georgia. Mm-hmm. Goes from there, but the fact they had Alabama jump Michigan to go number one and to give them the and give them Cincinnati instead of having Michigan, Cincinnati, Georgia, Alabama, I don't understand that in the slightest bit. I just don't see how. Alabama goes to one, Georgia drops to three, Michigan stays in place, Cincinnati stays in place. When Cincinnati won handily against a top-ranked opponent, Michigan won handily against a top-ranked opponent. Like, is this just SEC, SEC bias? Like, what do you think it is? I think it's a little bit of that. I think if you look at both Michigan and Alabama's resume this season, they're both very similar. Now, obviously, AM wasn't ranked at the time when Bama lost them, but it was on the road in a hostile environment. AM ended up being a ranked team at the end, same with Michigan State. I think they're both, I don't know their rankings right now, but it's very similar, somewhere in the teens. And so their losses, I would say, are pretty similar. And I think Georgia being ranked number one when Bama played them and them being a playoff team and to route a playoff team as opposed to just a middle of the road team or not middle-of-the-road ranked team, I should say, in Iowa. I think that's why they went Bama over Michigan here. I think we're really splitting hairs talking about it, but it's an SEC team. We know the committee has an SEC bias. They're going to go with them number one. It's just the way it is. I'm just not sure how I feel. Like I, I trust Alabama, but I feel like they've made, they made the matchup, and this is what we were talking about a little bit earlier in the podcast. I think they made this matchup to where they are building up Georgia-Alabama take two. Yeah, completely. I think they wanted to avoid it in the semifinal game, though, for ratings purposes. I don't think they wanted to have the same exact game back-to-back. Now, this Georgia-Michigan matchup is very interesting. These two teams are pretty similar, both very defensive-minded. I think Michigan's offense is a little better. Now, I think they're definitely – going to struggle a little bit against Georgia. I don't think they're just going to be ground and pounded the way they've been able to do everybody else this season. I think they're going to have to be a little more balanced in this game in order to get the win. And we'll talk more about this as we roll up on the game with our predictions and everything. But it's definitely going to be the better matchup of the two in the playoff game, in my opinion. I think Michigan has a very good chance at beating Georgia, but I can really see it going either way. So I guess the question I have, and this is once again a biased question, uh, which most of mine turn out to be, do we want Michigan to win? I like, honestly would, do. Would you rather have Michigan win and have to deal with Michigan fans? Like let's say Michigan wins it all. Yeah. Would you rather have Michigan win it all and stop the SEC like hype? Oh, 100%. But, but have to deal with Michigan fans, I mean, as a whole. Yeah, see, Michigan fans are bad, and there's no way around that. Now, living in Houston, there are a lot more SEC fan bases than there are Big Ten fan bases down here, so that might have something to do with it as well, with there being less Michigan fans than there might be of both Georgia or Bama. But I'm so tired of the SEC, SEC crowd, and I don't want Michigan to have a long – run of success where they're just turning into the new Bama and they're just completely dominant and winning all the time. That's going to get extremely annoying and super old fast. 
But I think for the sake of parity, for the sake of this sport becoming very regionalized, I very much want to see Michigan win this now. I also want to say I'm completely all in on the Cincy train. <laughs> I, I am all aboard. I am all in on Cincy. This is my team going forward for the rest of the season. Go Bearcats. Go Desmond Ritter. I am all aboard this team. I'm going to be rooting for them no matter who they play in this playoff. So I, I will say that. But I, I mean, definitely are- want a team out of the Midwest to win. I did think I think Cincinnati. I I love that they're in the playoffs. I love the fact they're in it. Mm-hmm. I think they're a little bit outclassed with Alabama, but of course yep. we've seen Alabama teams fall before. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, it still felt like a participation trophy when Cincinnati was announced at four. I think Cincinnati should have been three. I think Georgia should have probably been four since CB three, but they didn't want to do that because they didn't want the no. rematch to happen the way it was. But it feels like the committee was more of they were waiting. They're like they're like OSU lost, and they're mm-hmm. like shit. Yep. Like you know, I, I have to do it. That's how I feel like the committee was. Like you yeah. can't look at me in the eyes right now and tell no. me if OSU wins that they don't jump Cincinnati and Cincinnati gets screwed over. No. Like Notre Dame not playing and Cincinnati and and oh, oh, Notre Dame not playing and OSU losing are the entire reason that Cincinnati is in the playoff. Yeah, I mean these are definitely the right four teams. OSU losing to Baylor definitely saved a lot of angry fans on Twitter from going at the playoff committee. I will say that. Because one of these two fan bases, whether it was OSU or Cincy, was going to be extremely upset. It was going to be Cincy who was going to get left out. I mean, we saw the disrespect when the first playoff ranking came out in the middle of the year when the AP poll had Cincy at two and the playoff ranked them at six. So it's like, okay, they clearly do not want these guys in. But these are the right four teams. I'm just glad that a G5 is there, future Big 12 team. This is great for the Big 12 to have Cincinnati in this game. Looks like Luke Fickle is there to stay. So this program is definitely healthy. It, it's just awesome to see, and I'm going to be rooting for their success. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I hope they win it all. I really do. I think it would be great for the Big 12. Um, and I just think I'm just here for chaos right now. Yeah, I, for sure. not, fuck the Big 10. Fuck the SEC. But, of course – there is other news going on in the college football world that's been happening, that's been breaking. Uh, one thing that makes me want to just scream, fuck the SEC, and you know exactly what it is. It's at school up in Norman, getting a head coach, which made me and infuriated me because I knew immediately OU is not going fucking anywhere. No, I mean, Brent Venables, man, what a hire. I mean, I like, don't know anybody like how? who complain about this. Like, it's one of those hires that it happens, and you're just like, so this is the job he was waiting for. Like, it was obvious he was waiting. Like I told was, you, man. He was at Clemson. He was doing this great job. Everyone was like, oh, he's happy being a coordinator. Yeah, he's happy being he second. And then his, this has to be his dream job. Like, this has oh, to totally. be, like, the, his dream job. So now you have the Messiah coming home to OU after they've been heartbroken, and they're, it's, I think it's going to change the culture. Like, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. OU has a winning culture. Totally. Like I hate to admit it, they're a blue blood. They have a winning culture, but they don't have an SEC winning culture. They don't have a big man, grind it, hit you in the mouth, punch mm. you while you're down, and just keep kicking your ass kind of culture. They, they, have, the, they have the flashy surfer boy, throw mm. the football, throw it far, air raid kind of offense and kind of culture. They don't have that grinded out Nick Saban type. And I think this hire is 100% going to prepare them for the SEC in a way that pisses me off. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely on paper, this is incredible. I mean, you can make the argument, and I'd be very hard to argue against this, that Venables was the best coordinator, offense and defensive, in all of college football. Oh, 100%. And had been for a long time. And this was a no-brainer hire. The fans wanted him. The school obviously wanted him. And for him to come out of his very cushy coordinator job where he's getting paid better than most Power 5 head coaches – to not deal with a lot of the pressure that power five head coaches have to do. And his job was so secure for him to come out of that for this job just speaks to how good this job is and how desirable it is. Yeah. And I think they have a very good chance of keeping Caleb Williams, even if they don't keep him, they're still going to land a top flight transfer quarterback regardless. So they're still going to have good play. They hired Jeff Levy as OC out of Ole Miss. He obviously wanted a bigger role. I think that's an excellent hire as well. So I know we have the question is, oh, you already back on the set list here. I don't really even think they were ever gone. I mean, I think they were gone for a split second. There's a split second for me. There's a split second of hope that they're going to not find someone never in a thousand years. So I think they're going to land who they landed. I thought they'd get someone. I thought they'd get someone good. Yeah. But this is just such a solid hire. Like, I think this is probably like one of those few, and OU has done this time and time again. They just find I, – I know that he hasn't proven anything yet besides being a coordinator, mm. but I just don't see how this goes wrong. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're definitely a good team looking up. I think they're going to be a great team in the SEC. I've been saying that. and I know OU, technically they had a down year, but their down year was winning 10 games. Like they won 10 games this year. We, we can't just act okay. like they just had some terrible year. They had – 10 wins on a quarterback controversy year in a year where their coach had one foot out the door to LA all year. So it's just, this program is not going anywhere. They're going to be just fine. So watch out Georgia, watch out Nick Saban. These guys are coming. Yeah. I do think OU is definitely still going to be a program that's going to dominate, but yeah. we can't talk about this higher and just talk one-sided. We need to talk <laughs> about the other side and that is how much does this hurt Clemson? other toast like I, I i honestly believe that clemson may be done yeah you should have seen clemson twitter man when it, this hire was announced like they were hating on lincoln riley as much as OU fans were because they were so mad that venables was leaving because clemson their defense over the past decade really has just been the strong point of their team i know obviously the years they won the title they had the deshaun offense and then the trevor lawrence offense and those guys were obviously excellent at what they did, but their defense, we, we just can't forget about that and what they've been able to do over the last decade. And that is all attributed to Venables. Um, I think Dabo has shot them in the foot a little bit too, actually a lot of bit so I with think its NIL hate. This is going to be crazy and kind of hear me out because you're probably going to be like, what the fuck is Ryan thinking? I think Coach O and Dabo are the exact same coach. They're a rah-rah culture type of guy who's not really too good at the X's and O's, who has had great coordinators around him and kind of lucked out with generational talent at quarterback to win the big game. And once that generation talent at quarterback's gone, once their coordinators are gone, they're gone. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I know there's some talk of Tony Elliott, the current OC, taking the Duke job as well that's open. I know there's some talk of that. I don't know if that'll happen or not. 
but some people are thinking that this ship's about to go down. Their stock's definitely low. Um, I wouldn't buy into Clemson stock right now. Um, I think very similarly. I don't know if he's quite on the Coach O level. I mean, Dabo's obviously a great motivator, and that's probably what he does best. He's also an excellent recruiter. But losing your star defensive coordinator definitely hurts. And Dabo's just said some stupid-ass shit to the media as far as hating on NIL and saying it's bad for the sport. Like, good luck getting high-profile recruits who want to make money to your program when they're just trashing the way you make money. Yeah. And then hating on Black Lives Matter. Like, if you're a recruit's parents, like, would, would you trust this guy with your son and he's hating on the Black Lives Matter movement? Like, hell no. So uh, I just think he's made some media missteps along with losing key assistants. And I just, I mean, they're in the ACC and the ACC is just not a good conference. They're them in the PAC 12 are trying to fight for whoever's the worst power five conference really. Yeah. But so they could probably still run the table there, but I don't see them having any national success anytime soon. No, I, I agree. I think Dabo's done. I think he's been, I've never liked Dabo. I, he gives me a he gives me a false snake oil preacher type vibe, um, and that's that's where I stand there. Yeah. Very Joel Osteen esque. No, he gives me a hundred percent. That's what he gives me, and I'm looking forward to just it falling apart around him and watching it, and then just watching it burn, and then him blame everyone but himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I'll go work at the Bama staff with Saban and revive his career. Oh God, don't <laughs> tell me that he is Bama alum. That's the only reason I say that, but we'll see. But no, so that leads us to what, of course, is coming up because it is trophy season. Todd have had the college football playoffs. We've had talked about games, talked about new coaching hires. One thing we can't ignore is the Heisman. And I, it feels like a weird season for the Heisman, you know, because I've usually I feel mm-hmm. like by now yep. we kind of like know who's won. There's been Heisman moments. There's been great games. Someone's just been dominating the entire year. This year, I, did I miss who the Heisman favorite is? Like, I know it's Bryce Young. I know Bryce Young yeah. most likely is going to win the Heisman, but I'm not like, yeah, Bryce Young's winning the Heisman. Yep. It, feel, it feels more like, a well, I guess he's the best quarterback, so we should get the Heisman. Yeah, it didn't really happen until the last game against Georgia in the SEC championship. I think it was largely between him and C.J. Stroud, but it's still there weren't really any great storylines there, and there still really aren't. Usually there's one guy who's just clearly running away with it, like Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield did in their Heisman years, or there's the really cool race between two guys, like with Kyler and Tua, how we're both staring eye-to-eye with each other pretty much the whole way this year has definitely been different the Heisman just wasn't really exciting and we have four finalists which I think is cool and I think it's very fair the four that we got we have Bryce Young out of Alabama Kenny Pickett Mr. Fake Slide out of Oof. yeah loved watching that move was great but that was a bullshit move that was just cheap as hell um, I don't know what you do is the solution to that problem, but that was, definitely wasn't cool, but was entertaining. I'll give him that. Then we have Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive standout out of Michigan, and we have C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. I mean, it's got to be Bryce Young, especially after the SEC championship game. That really was the Heisman moment. 
was just the way he just diced him up just so yeah. easily. I mean, he diced him up. I mean, yeah. really what I hate about this award, and this is something that I've had this thought for a while, is that this award has just turned into who's the best QB. I mean, I get it. I get it. Quarterback has the, has the ball every snap. They control a lot of the passing. They control all the mm-hmm. passing, obviously. And, like, they are a big component of the offense. But it feels like, like Kenneth Walker, where, where is he at? He had a sensational season, a season that is really going to define him. He's going to be probably what probably some team in the NFL is going to take a big old stab at mm-hmm. him because they think he can change their entire roster. Where is he at? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with Michigan's state success down the road. And, I mean, obviously Pitt, they won their conference, so that's pretty cool. And Kenny Pickett is the quarterback. I think you got to err to the side of the quarterback. I mean, the last non-quarterback we had win was in 2015, and that was Derrick Henry, and that was another controversial Heisman year where a lot of people felt like McCaffrey should have won, including myself. Um, but it's definitely very quarterback-centric. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is cool. I think he'll probably come in second place here. I know a lot of Bama fans are complaining. They had a linebacker. I forget his name, but he had – more sacks, more tackles, more tackles for loss than Aiden Hutchinson had. And the team had the same success. Now, Aiden Hutchinson down the stretch, especially in the Ohio State game, was just so dominant. And I think that's really why he's here. He had that three-sack game against Ohio State. That's just huge. I think the difference is, and this is maybe kind of a double-headed sword of the Bama defense, there are so many components that Bama defense that are that way, that are so dominant. But when you think Michigan's defense, you think Hutchinson. And that's what the Heisman's about. The Heisman's about who defines the team. And I guess, you know, that's usually the quarterback. Because I'm going through the quarterback list now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess we had Devontae Smith was the last non-quarterback. I said Derrick Henry earlier. I was wrong. Devontae Smith last, and he totally deserved it. But still, I mean, going back, I mean, very rarely, it's usually just a quarterback or, like, all the quarterbacks suck, so we give it to a wide receiver or sometimes a running back. I mean, Devontae Smith really was kind of this game changer that broke the mold. And you can even make the argument that Mac Jones had a sensational season. He was excellent. He, uh, he almost, I don't know where Mac Jones finished last year's in Heisman voting, but he probably was pretty, was well up there. He was a finalist. Uh, he was a, yeah. So, but that's what it comes down to. It feels like it's just which program's big star player has had the best season. Which I mean, I guess that is what the Heisman's about. Yeah, for sure. And you got to have that team success as well to go along with it. It's not like they're just going to pick the biggest stats guy. They're really going to pick the biggest stat guy on the, one of the best teams. So I guess the next question that comes, and this is something that is clear, and it hasn't been as evident as it has been recently, because I think Joe, Bro- Joe Burrow broke the mold, Devontae Smith broke the mold, but you got to kind of talk a little bit about the curse, the Heisman curse, of course, because there for a while it came down to whoever won the Heisman was unable to potentially win the big game. Um, do you think that if Bryce Young does win, do you think Alabama still has a chance to kind of break the mold and break that curse? Hundred percent. I mean, this is Bama we're talking about. We've seen them win this game and playoff so many times before. There's really no reason that we should believe they shouldn't be able to do it again. It's like, oh, can Dom Brady win the Super Bowl again? It's like, well, yeah, we've seen him do it seven freaking times. So it's just the deal. Nick Saban usually ends up on top 
I'm not saying Bama's going to win this one. We'll get more into predictions later, but I think they're absolutely live and ready to win this whole thing and probably are the favorite going into it. All right. Yeah, I mean, they are, it's brave of you to say that the number one seed is the favorite. I mean, that's that's brave of you to say, but I, I hate to admit it. Like, And this is one reason why I think we need to change the system or figure something out yeah. or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'm the fact that Next year, I could probably tell you, hey, Michigan, Georgia, maybe OSU or Michigan are making the, you know, the, the final yeah. three. Three or four is going to be that. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, Michigan, Georgia, Mich- Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing every year. For sure. Same thing every year. But, hey, the Heisman is a little bit different this year. It's a different Alabama player. College football. <laughs> completely different. I'm kind of understanding what my girlfriend gets at now. Kind of getting what my fiance gets at now. Yeah, there are very similar trends going on. But no. So that leads us to the end of our college football discussion. Do you have anything wise, cracky you want to say? Maybe some more wisdom to give upon our listeners, Christian? Uh, Let's see. Well, we have our hot takes of the week, right? We got to go into that. Well, of course, we had a hot takes of the week, but I didn't know if there was some of one last little tidbit of college football knowledge you wanted to drop real quick before we went to our hot takes, our Christmas-themed hot takes, by the way, because it's Christmas <laughs> season. Yeah, well, Ryan is a Christmas-themed one, but yeah, I guess any uh, tidbit of advice, just never count out Nick Saban. That, that's all I got to say. I think I, that's something I'm going to take to heart now, something I'll definitely take to heart. So now it is time for hot takes of the week. Um, I'll, of course, start with mine because I have a little bit of a rant behind it. And this is going to probably, if you, if you do listen to this podcast and you have this, go ahead and just roast me. I, you can roast me on Twitter, whatever you want to yep. say. Please but roast them. I, th- I think waiting to open presents on Christmas is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> we are adults. Is the giving season. Christmas gifts happen the entire season. It's like when you get them, open them, be happy for a second. Like we get a present, open it. Why, why build up all this joy for one single day? Like just open it, maybe save a few for Christmas, save a couple ones. But like, if you want to open it, open it. You're an adult. Like who's stopping you? No one, no one. What a social norm. Fuck social norms. Mm -hmm. Live your life. Christmas every freaking day. Yeah, I mean, my rebuttal to that would be, I guess we are millennials, so we are part of the Instagram generation. So don't you want to be posting all your cool new gadgets or all your cool new stories and everything on Instagram on Christmas Day? I'll do it. In your sweater. Do the day of. Yeah, do it again. I mean, there's something about Christmas Day just being a real fun day and everything. But Stage it. Now, obviously, this is not a hot take. Christmas is a lot more fun as a young kid. I think everybody would agree with that. And it's a lot more fun when you have young kids present at Christmas. Present, no pun intended. But, yeah, no, it's just a lot of fun. Um, But anyways, my hot take, it's not really a take. It's more of like a conspiracy. And this is going back to Texas Tech and our offensive coordinator decision. Obviously, it was very popular in a common debate of should we have Sonny Cumbie retained as offensive coordinator? Well, obviously, we did decide to retain him as offensive coordinator. And a few days later, he got announced as the new head coach of Louisiana Tech, which is great for him. Congrats. My conspiracy here is that Joey McGuire 
and the tech administration knew full well that Sonny Cumbie was trying to get a head coaching job and was in the running for that Louisiana Tech job. And they knew full well that he was not going to be the offensive coordinator. So they just decided to announce him in that position to one, make him more desirable looking and help him out and appease the fan base who wanted to keep him. Knowing that he was going to leave and just everybody's happy. Oh, he got a head coaching job. Nobody's going to be mad at that. You know, we can't blame the guy for going after his professional goals and dreams. So I think it was a conspiracy knowing full well that he was going to take that head coaching job. And it was just fan service to name him as offensive coordinator for like three days. Hmm. I can see that. I get behind that. Yeah. I, I shipped that. Yeah. Knowing that Kitley was definitely going to be the guy all along. And I'm very happy with Kitley. We're bringing back the air raid. Ball's going to be flying all over the place with Quinn Ewers throwing passes to all the five-star receivers he's bringing along with him. So I can't wait. It's going to be great. Quinn, please, please, Quinn. I'll name, your, I'll name a child Quinn. <laughs> Quinn Connor. That's a good name. Sounds yeah. like a superhero. It really does. Wow, that's actually really good. I mean, you use that. Hmm. Note to self, Quinn. All right, cool. Well, I think that kind of wraps up today's show or tonight's show. Uh, thanks for being with us, everyone. Uh, as always, stay cold, stay cool, and stay frosty. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being here. Remember, Spider-Man comes out on December 17th. Remember to buy your tickets. And that is also a reminder to myself to buy my own tickets for that movie because I really want to see that when it comes out. Anyways, guys, I hope you stay safe this December with your friends and your family. And we will see you on the next one. Never t-